Well, good morning, First Family. My name is Mike Hartwig. I'm one of the elders here, which I still kind of pinch myself uh, every once in a while. I feel like I've in over my head at times, but I'm grateful for the opportunity. Todd asked me if I would um, preach on this topic today, and one of the most important passages, I think, in, uh, in the Bible, uh, especially in our culture and in our world, uh, and hopefully by the time uh, we get done here today, you'll see the importance of it um, uh, today. So I want to begin by saying that anytime we talk about marriage and family, and just so you know, my background is, is I was the president of Marriage Matters of Iowa. Uh, it was a unique opportunity. I served for several years, and we ran around the country and around the state particularly, encouraging marriages and families, developing marriage mentors and uh, Leanne and I were talking about this the other night. Um, I, I think we've got, we were able to train about a thousand mentor couples throughout the state of Iowa. Um, and uh, it had just been a great journey. Leanne and I uh, still, on a casual basis, meet with uh, couples and kind of coach them. And I uh, get plenty of opportunities to speak uh, on it as well. But one of the things I always like to say at the beginning is, is whenever we start talking about marriage and family, this is not about Leanne and me, uh, because uh, if you know us, we have less than a perfect marriage. So uh, I always worry about whenever we talk, stand up and say, hey, this is what you should do in your marriage, because somebody in the, in the room is going to say, yeah, Mike, we know you. You don't do that. So I get that. But on the other hand, I think it's always good for us to look at what the scriptures have to say. So as we go through this passage, I hope that you, uh, a couple of things will, will come through. It's uh, that you won't, don't see Mike and Leanne, but instead you see, ask yourself, what does the word of God has to say for me and, and my situation? The second thing that I always like to talk about here is, and this is a basic principle about when it comes to marriage and family. Marriage is about responsibility. It's not about rights. This is a fundamental statement. And the, in our culture, they got it backwards. They come into a marriage and even a prenuptial agreement really sets the tone as I have these rights and you have those rights and we come together in a corporate fashion to do life together, which will be easier, better, cheaper, and that's how we're going to try to raise our, our kids. The biblical view of this is just the opposite. The biblical view of this, of marriage, is it's all about my responsibility that I bring to the table. So as I go through here, we're going to talk specifically about husbands. And last week, Todd talked about wives. At the end of this message... Shame on you ladies if you say to your husband, hey, Mike said you should do this. Because it's not about your rights that he does this. It's about your responsibility and what God has called you to do. So it's tremendously important that we get that going forward. And at the end, I, I think, ladies, I hope that you'll, you'll in, inform yourself as we go through and say, I've got my, myself a great husband He's trying, and he's doing these kind of things, and just tuck it away is to say. And also, I also want to say something to you folks who aren't married here as we get into this passage. It's important for you to hear this message as well, 
Because you need to understand, we all need to understand what is a biblical view of what a husband and, and like last week, what a biblical view of a wife, what they're supposed to do in this thing we call marriage. And the more that we can spread this out, the better our culture, the better our families, the better our church is going to be. One of the things I believe, and I'm so excited about being a member of First Family, is this because we've made a commitment as a leadership team that marriage and family is important. That isn't necessarily true in our culture. We want to make sure that we do everything we can to have marriage and family in a biblical way be one of those, those pillars that sets us apart. One of the things that Todd and I have had plenty, and the other elders have had a chance to talk about and pray about, is this idea, could we go one year without experiencing divorce among our family, our church family? Could we, in such a way, teach these biblical principles and have this idea where marriage and family is held up and we, we equip people, we equip uh, young people to have those basic tools in their toolbox and have a proper perspective on what marriage and family is all about? And could God bless us in such a way that the the, the evil tentacles of the evil one does not come in here and destroy our families. The strength of any church, the strength of any community, the strength of any country comes back to the strength of the family. Let me say that again, and I hope for a response. The strength of any church, the strength of any community the strength of any country comes down to the family. Now, the strength of the family comes down to the passage that we're going to be looking at here tonight. And it falls, I believe, on the husband. So with that, as our introduction, oh, I've got to get into this um, and just kind of keep that thought as I just go through this. Um, they gave me control of this thing. That is really scary. I'm perfect. Okay. So um, the, the way I've structured this, this is just by side below. Anytime you go to the scriptures and you start studying, one of the ways I like doing it, and it's worked for me for, for decades, is I look at the passage from three different perspectives. I ask myself, what is the passage? What is the nuance of the passage? Then what are the principles that are coming and emerging from the passage? And then how do I put it into practice? How, what is God trying to say from those principles and those passages? And that when we look at the passage, that's where we kind of look at the background. We look at the word structure. We look at how the writer played it out. So it's a natural outline that you can go through. If you ever str struggled studying the word of God, one of the ways that you can look at any passage this way is you look at it and you just read it and you ask yourself, what is the passage, the nuances of the passage saying? And then you say, what is he trying to teach us? And then the big question is, is how do I apply it? So that's going to be our structure for today. Now, I like, um, uh, I like honoring the scriptures. I think the word of God is a lamp unto our feet. This is our direction. So one of the things I like doing is I like asking people to stand and reading passage together, and then we'll have a word of prayer, and you be seated, and then we'll go on. So will you stand with me? And let's read this together. You ready? Husbands, in the same way, be considerate as you live with your wives 
and treat them with respect as the weaker partner and as heirs without you of the glorious gift of life so that nothing will hinder your prayers. Father, we thank you and praise you for this passage. It really lays out some really practical things that we need to implement in our lives that will implement change, not only with our children, not only with our wives, but will change our culture. And Father, we're dying for that in our world. We're dying for families that honor you and are led by the men. So Father, I pray you might help us to explore this passage and walk away with a renewed determination that at least for our house, we will serve the Lord. So help us to that end. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. So let's take a look at what this passage is saying. I think you'll find some interesting, some fascinating things that maybe doesn't come through on the first blush. The first thing that we want to consider is that word that it begins with, and that is the word husband. It's an interesting word. It's typically translated man. It could be translated as man. And over time, it's kind of morphed into a deeper, much more rich meaning. And what I would call your attention to is ask yourself, do you know what a husbandman is? If I were to ask you, what is a husbandman? What is that? Anybody dare to blurt out an answer? It is a farmer. A husbandman is, uh, it has different backgrounds, different uh, nuances, but it's been referred to as a grape, uh, someone that raises grapes and for wine production. It's also referred to as somebody that raises cattle or sheep. And over time, what this has done is it's been translated over to a man married to a wife. They are the husband. The obvious implication here is, is that a husband is to care for the object that it's been given. And it is caused to grow and multiply. Now, there's significance in that one word that I think is often overlooked. We'll look more at the practical aspect. But by virtue of him using the word husband, it tells us men who are married what our primary responsibility is. And that is to cause our wife to grow. Isn't that interesting? So... Later on, we'll ask this question. Men, are you causing your wife to grow? Is she engaged with life? Is she happy? Is she moving toward things? It's a fascinating concept. And I think one that needs and demands our attention. Let's go on to the next phrase. In the same way, husbands in the same way. This refers to what is going on in the verse previously. So we have to back up in the previous verse and well, what's going on in the previous verse because he goes on to husbands just like what I just talked about. Well, what goes on in the previous verse? He's talking to the wives. He says, wives, submit one another in the same way. But I think a lot of times when people have looked at this passage, they stop there and they say, well, we're, we're egalitarian. We're all equal, husbands and wives. And 
To which I would say, I would agree, we are equal in worth, but we're not equal as far as responsibility. Plus, if you stop there, you forget what he said to the wives. Remember what he said to the wives? If you look right before that, he says, just like Christ. So you see, there's a progression here. He says, Christ, ladies, wives, just like Christ. Then he goes on, he says, men, likewise. Does it refer to ladies? Of course not. He's talking about men, likewise, just like Christ. So the passage is telling us that we need to follow Christ. Let's go on. Let's go on to the next phrase. In the same way, be considerate. Be considerate as you live with your wives. Now, in another translation, it says, live with your wives in an understanding way. See that word considerate as you live with your wife. That word considerate in other translations is translated understanding way. It's the root word that we use in our Awana program, study to show yourself approved unto God. That word study is the same word that's used here. So what the passage is saying is study your wives. Study our wives. Then he tells us something else by the nuance of the passage. He says, study your wives in such a way that you never come to an end of studying. So there's a way that he could have said this, and, uh, it, and the best illustration I could use is probably, um, there's a way he could have written this and said, throw the ball. Or there's a way he could have written it and said, throw the ball and keep throwing the ball. And never give up giving and throwing the ball. That's the way he's saying in this passage, study your wife and never quit studying your wife. I think there's significance here. And it's almost like he's saying under the toe is that study your wife because you're never going to understand her. (laughs) You're never going to come to a complete understanding of your wife. Back when Leanne and I were first married a couple years into our marriage, um, I, uh, I, I bought her some flowers, and uh, I, I had a nice big white box. We didn't have a lot of money at that time, and um, you know, I came and put them on the kitchen table, and she came home, and, and she looked down at the box, and she opened them up, and, oh, this is nice. This is great. This is sweet. Didn't even get a peck on the cheek. I mean, what good is that? So we had, uh, we had dinner, and, and then I said, um, you didn't even put your flowers in a vase. You didn't, didn't I hit the mark with the flowers? I thought you liked flowers. She said, well, nah. You know, really, quite frankly, what I'd rather have is the money. <laughs> Are you serious? She said, yeah, why did you go out and spend 25 bucks that we didn't have on a set of flowers? That tells you at the time, 25 bucks for a dozen roses. Like, yeah, where can you do that? But, uh, but anyway, she said, yeah, I'd rather have the money. And if you know my wife, she's very frugal, I, very, very good about that. And and that kind of thing. But um, so I, I, I put it away. A couple months goes by, and I wanted to honor Leanne. And, and so I went down to the florist, and I uh, go up to buy. I need to buy a box, and I need just some stems and, uh, and maybe some greenery. She says, oh, yeah, do you want me to wrap that up for you? 
<laughs> and I said, sure. So uh, she wrapped it up, and I went to my office. I opened it up, and I took uh, uh, a bunch of cash, and I wrapped them around the stems, and I taped them and put them back in the box and put them in there. And I came home, and I put them on the, on the table, and I waited for her to come home and uh, made dinner and, and all that. And she walks in, and she sees this white box, and she gives me one of those looks as if, Oh, Mike, don't you ever listen to me. <laughs> and I said, um, uh, what do you, you know, what do you want to drink, you know, for, to, for supper and stuff like that? And she says, oh, thanks for the flowers. I really appreciate it. And I didn't say a thing. And then near the end of the table, I said, well, don't you want to at least look at them? And, and she said, okay. So she opened them up. And as soon as she opened it, she looked down at the, at the cash. She looked up at me. She looked down at the cash. She looked up at me. And it was just like, wow. And I'll, I'll stop the story there uh, for, uh, because that, it hit the mark at that point. <laughs> that suffices to say. Now, fast forward that just this, just this year. Oh, by the way, she put it in a vase. She called her mother. She was hoping they would grow more, you know. So... <laughs> So, um, so, so, so then fast forward, this just this happened. I, I looked at her and I said, what do you want for, for Valentine's Day? She said, you know, I think I kind of want flowers. <laughs> Ladies, you know we can't figure you out, right? <laughs> right? You're constantly changing. And guys, here's the teaching point for us. Is Ladies, they are changing. They change all the time. We have to embrace that. And we have to be fascinated by that. What the scriptures is saying here is study your wife because she's constantly changing and you will never come to the end of, of understanding your wife. That's the nuance of this passage. Live with them in such a way that you find them fascinating. Then the next passage next part of the passage, and treat them with respect as the weaker partner. Treat them with respect is more accurately trans translated, grant them honor. Well, what does it mean to grant them honor? It simply means to give them value. Again, this is written in such a way to say, as if to say, don't just do this once, but consistently give them honor. So I, I was thinking about doing this. I probably should have. But um, I, I went and I was thinking about how do we give honor to things in our world? For men, what do we, how do we give this? And I'm reminded of somebody at our, in our workplace. He, uh, he moved his office. But before he moved, I walked into his office, and everything was decked out in St. Louis Cardinal gear. So he had the poster. He had a bat. He had baseball caps. He had base, signed baseballs and, and things like that. So what he's doing is, is he's giving honor. He's showing worth to a dismal NBL team that <laughs> all us Cub hands hate, right? So, but you get the idea. He has chosen to give honor and respect and value to a baseball team. What he's saying in this passage, men, is, is that we have to choose to give honor or give value to the object. In this case, it's our wives. And for you teenagers, for you kids, 
it's the same thing that we all have a responsibility. I don't mean to single them out necessarily, but but we have an obligation to give honor or worth to other people in our in our world, like our parents. Honor your father and your mother. It's the same concept. We have to give value to them. Their words have extra weight. They're special. They're extra special. That you can tell a husband who gets this right by the way that he talks about his wife. If he values her, he will say things that are respectful and valuable and precious. He's saying that, do this in a consistent way. Then he adds in it the weaker partner. He says, he combines that with the next phrase, as the weaker partner. On the surface, comes across as if to say men are stronger than women. Well, kind of talked to a few of you about this. How do you take this passage? Well, clearly, I think a case could be made that men are stronger than women on a whole. In our world, that's being challenged, of course, and, and that kind of thing. And one of the things uh, one person said, well, yeah, men may be stronger. They can dunk a basketball. They can lift things higher. They can lift heavier things. They can run faster. To which the response is, well, that may be true, but they can't have a baby. <laughs> and there's a reason why men don't have babies. is because they couldn't stand the pain. I'm absolutely convinced of that. So, But you understand that... The, the, the problem in this passage, what does that mean? Are they really weaker? I think a case could be made. Yeah, they are weaker, but try this on. One derivative of this word is it's more delicate. It's more delicate. Women are more delicate. I think I can make that case in our own personal world. I think, like, even when we deal with issues and whether it be at work or whatever, Leanne takes it in a totally different way than I do. It's like an issue may come up at work and all of a sudden she's overwhelmed by it. She'll cry or she'll get upset. And to me, it's like, hey, you know, we're giving a second thought. I wonder how the Cubs did today. I mean, that literally is what goes through my mind when something like that happens. But it's important that we understand that it's important that we understand that as men, that, that there's a nuance here that we kind of expect women to, to go ahead and be that man and just buck it up and be manly, you know, on this case. Just let it go. But we need that flavoring in our life. One of the things I got to thinking about, if we were to invite you over to our house for dinner or supper or something like that, we would have an opportunity to serve you on various types of service wear. We could go to the closet and grab a paper plate. If you were served on paper plates, no big deal. You're, you're family, right? Because you're not worth the time of day of washing this. You know, we're just going to throw it away. It's going to go on with life. Then the second thing that we could serve you on is our everyday wear. We have a set of white bowls. One of them has a crack in the corner, and we just use it every day. When we had a dog, we'd eat cereal, throw it on the floor, let the dog lick it out. And uh, you know, not, Land hates that part of the story. I can't believe you, you tell people that we let the dog drink out of our... Anyway, but we wash it afterwards. Okay? Um, but if you were to be invited over to our house, and we pulled out of the top cupboard a piece of our fine china... This means it's something special. 
Now, that fine china isn't what didn't cost us very much. Um, when we were first married, Leanne and her mother and her aunt and half the neighborhood would go down to the grocery store, and for 15 cents, if you spent so much groceries, you could buy a plate. And we have a complete set of like 15 or 20 plates. Those, all those plates are very nice. I like them. They're, they're great, but they're irreplaceable. They are, and, and we try to take care of them to the best of our ability. We don't pull them out very often, but when we do, it's a special occasion. They are very delicate. They could break easy. They're China, and we take care of them. That's the same concept that he's coming across in this passage. He's saying, as, as if to say, men, don't treat your wife like paper plates or everyday wear. They are precious, they're delicate, they're easily broken. You need to take care of them. And it's unfortunate that men don't even give a thought to it. They don't even think about it. They get busy in life, they get busy with their projects, and there's nothing wrong with that. But what he's making a case for here is, is that you treat your wife uniquely because she is delicate. Let's go on to the next phrase, the so that clause. So that nothing will hinder your prayers. Now, as we come to the conclusion of this verse, this is the, the one verse that we have. You'll notice how many verses the women got. They got six verses uh, to, spoken to them. The guys only have one verse. I don't know what to do with that, but Peter is talking six verses to the ladies, one verse to the men. I, yeah, I'm not sure how to wrestle with that other than maybe to say that um, either the men are much harder, harder to work with uh, or the men can't take on too much. We just want you to can it. I'll let that, you decide how that works. But the emphasis that he puts on this phrase, on, on this concept that goes on beforehand, is phenomenal. He says, by using this so that clause, he's saying that there's a direct correlation with your relationship with God and your wife. He's saying that if you don't treat your wife well, you'll be somewhat of a spiritual amoeba. There'll be no life, no vitality in your prayer life. That's significant. I will tell you that the times I am struggling with my wife are the times that I'm the farthest away from God. And many times, many times, it impacts the entire family, if not all the time. All right, let's go on and let's talk about the principles. I'm going to give them all to you at once and we're going to come back and tear them apart. So um, the first one is husbands should consistently, husbands should consistently be fascinated by their wife and seek her growth. 
So that's principle number one. Number two, husbands should grant worth or honor to their wife, and husbands should help their wives become the beautiful woman of God she was created to be. Um, okay, so there they are. That's all of them. So let's go back and tear them apart. If you didn't get those, we're going to come back and, and give them to you. Okay, so husbands should consistently be fascinated uh, by their wife. Um, so one of the things that we do in, often in a marriage seminar at this point, we just kind of play a little game. And we say, all right, what's your wife's favorite candy bar? Guys, turn to your wife. Ladies, look at your husbands. And on the count of three, I want you both to blurt out what her favorite candy bar is. Okay? Everybody ready? One, two, three. How many of you got it right? How many got it wrong? All right. All right. All right. Now, how about this one? Let's do this. Same thing. You ready? What's her shoe size? Okay. One, two, three. <laughs> twelve. <laughs> Somebody said twelve. Now, I know that it, it goes beyond that. It goes beyond candy bars, favorite food, and, it, and a lot of times food will change and that kind of thing. But here's the point. You need to study your wife. Find out what makes them tick. Find out what fascinates them. Why are they doing the things that they're doing? Study your wife. Now, in our living room, we have, we have a couple, and this is where we do a lot of marriage counseling, but we have a couple plants, and they're in various stages of, of health. If one is kind of crumpled up and not doing well, that plant is screaming for attention. It wants attention. It says, hey, I need water, or I've got some bug infestation, I've got, or I don't like the sun here, or whatever. And it doesn't, it isn't, it obviously can't communicate. Hey, by the way, I need some more water. But when you study that plant and you know those plants, after a while you learn to figure out what, what makes them go, right? And what, what doesn't make them grow. And husbands, that's the way it is with us. Our wife will not often come and tell us, you know, what's going on. But we should know. One of the things I like encouraging guys to ask themselves is, is your wife happy? I had a guy, older guy in my life, he would just walk in, I'd see him in church, and he'd just come up to me, Mike, are you happy? And then he'd follow it up, is your wife happy? What a phenomenal question that is. When was the last time you asked your wife, honey, are you happy? And then when she gives a laundry list of all the things that she's not happy with, kind of smile and tick one of those two or three things off and follow it up with another question. Honey, are you happy? We need to make a commitment to consistently be fascinated with our wife and study them. Then the next thing is, is husbands should grant honor to their wife or grant worth to their wife. Well, how do we do that? How do, how do we show worth to my wife? There's a couple of things I wrote here that I don't know if it is meaningful to you or not, but, but it really does begin by the way that we talk about them. I, I'm happy to believe that what you believe is what will become your reality. If you see that your wife is a precious gift from God, that she's the, 
the, the daughter of the King of kings and Lord of lords, and you are so blessed to have her. And then I hear all the, yeah, okay, Mike, yeah, but you don't see her when she turns on that nagging spirit of her. Yeah, hey, Mike, well, you don't see her when she does this. You don't, you don't, oh, man, she just belittles me all the time. I go back to the principle. What you see in your wife is what you're going to get. And this is, by the way, true with your wives, too. If you see your husband as a, as a son of the king of kings and lord of lords, that's what you will eventually get. If you see in your wife somebody that's beautiful, guess what? She will become beautiful. Well, how do we do that? It begins by seeing your wife as the daughter of the king of kings, and you are just so lucky to be blessed by God to have her in your life. The second thing is, is by what you spend your money on. You know how much stuff I've got in my garage? It's crazy. I, I've, got, I've got dive equipment. I've got remote-controlled airplane stuff. I've got hunting gear, both turkey and deer and pheasant. I've got golf equipment. I've got... How many, I think I've got four boats. Who needs four boats? And every one of those was a part in a chapter of my life. And it, I gave work to those playthings. One of the regrets I have in my life is I wish I would have spent the same amount of attention and care and worth on the things and the people that are most important to me. And the primary one is my wife. So I simply ask, guys, what are you spending your money on? Oh, I'll spend a thousand bucks to go to a baseball game or a football game. I hate preaching this sermon because I know our anniversary is coming and Leanne wants a diamond ring, so. <laughs> but you know what? I can't buy a big enough diamond for her. Why? Because she is a gift from God himself. Guys, what are you spending your money on? How are you talking about her when she's not around? You show worth to your wife when you build her up in front of your mom. You show her worth when you build her up in front of your coworkers. You show her worth when you build her up in front of the kids. Uh, you know, you don't need to listen to mom or we'll do it my way. How are you showing worth and honor to your wife? And then finally, I want to get in the time aspect. Oh, two things, time and action. I guess those things really go together. Time and actions. 
Um, we show worth to them when we give of our time. Guys, if you're the type of person that is so in, enthralled with your business and your career and you have no time for your family, you're showing your wife that ah, you're not that important. My job is more important. Now, there needs to be balance. There are seasons of life that, you know, you need to be at work more and those kind of things, and hopefully there's an attitude of understanding. But if that's the rule and not the exception, something's wrong. You're making a statement to your wife that your job is more important than your wife. And if your wife ever says that, in many ways, it's too late. You need to study your wife and find out if she's comfortable and she's okay and she embraces the idea that you're spending all that time with work. Let me also address something else, too, that I see a lot of. Sometimes our kids with, our, with the guys are, are more important than their wife. They'll go and coach. They'll spend all this time hanging out with them, and, and their wife is left at home and, or left to do other things, and there needs to be, obviously, a balance there. Then, so that's point, strategy number two. Husbands should grant honor or worth to their wife. Then the last one is husbands um, should, husbands should help their wives become the beautiful woman of God that she was created to be. This is the end game. If I am to be the leader of my family, I need to make sure that she is happy and growing. And there are times when she will not be happy. There will be times when she disagrees. And you would expect that because two people living together, there is naturally going to be some friction. And guys, I would encourage you never to be the type of person that does everything your wife wants you to do. Sometimes that's wrong. Um, not always, but as a whole, there are times when your wife is flat out wrong and you need to have a frank conversation and do that and have the guts enough to say, honey, I think uh, we need to go in a different direction. Can you support this decision as we move forward? If it comes from a culture that she understands you love her with an everlasting love, nine times out of ten, she'll give way. But you need to have that conversation and be man enough to say, I think we need to move forward. That being said, there needs to be a kind of the spirit that says we're not going to go in this direction and we need to go in this direction. That carries with it setting the agenda I want to give some attention. I didn't put this in the notes, but I think it's really, really important. Is that this aspect of, of that, uh, that our prayers not be hindered? Let me throw out a question to you, guys. When was the last time you prayed with your wife? When was the last time you kind of said, hey, honey, do you mind if we pray? And it wasn't over a meal. But you actually kind of sat on the couch, you turned off the TV, you held hands or you looked at each other and you said, hey, honey, do you mind if we pray? That's an indication maybe that something could be wrong. I know it's difficult, guys, don't, and sometimes the wife is, is, is more of a spiritual leader. I get it. I, it doesn't seem intuitive. But let me throw out a challenge here for you guys tonight, okay? And, be, and ladies, by the way, you can't hold your guy accountable to this. Like tonight, before you go to bed, don't, don't go, hey, Mike told you to pray with me tonight. How come you're not doing it? You know? 
Remember, marriage is about responsibility, not about rights. So guys, let me give you a responsibility. Something that you can do is before you turn off the lights tonight, first of all, I'm going to encourage you to go to bed together. A lot of times guys go and uh, they want to watch the news or whatever, and they, they don't go to bed together. But I'm going to encourage you to go to bed together. And before you fall asleep, I'm going to ask you to roll over, look at your wife and say, and, and whisper in your ear this question. Do you mind if we pray together? Now, if the wife says no, then you got problems. <laughs> but I would be surprised if she says that. She'll kind of turn her head a little bit, she'll smile, and she'll say, sure. And then, don't say a grandiose, glorious, thou shalt fill your mouth full of marbles type of prayer, okay? Simply say, God, thank you for blessing me with such an awesome wife. And then pray for your kids and grandkids or whoever else in your world you want to and make it tremendously practical. And then say, amen. Ladies, by show of hands, how many of you would respect your husband more if he did that. Let me see your hands. I think God would be raising his hands too. I think your children would be raising their hands too. We need men who are fiercely devoted to their wife because they are fiercely devoted to Jesus Christ. Let me wrap this up by this concept. That last phrase that, um, oh, I blew it. Can, oh, got it. Wow, they told me how to do it and it worked. Okay. Um, I, I, before we get into take home to truth, I want to I get this out. There's a direct connection between the spirituality and the other side. Some of you here, you hear me talking about this and praying with my wife, and it's like, nah, yeah. It's like, and maybe this whole premise is based on a couple things. Number one, that you have a relationship with Jesus Christ. If you don't have a relationship with Jesus Christ, then this passage, it's, it's foreign to you. It doesn't make sense. And what does that mean? There's been a time when you gave your life, you recognize you can't do your life on your own, but you gave your life to Jesus Christ. You admitted that you're, what we call a sinner, somebody that's, somebody that's blown it, somebody that's worked against God himself, and you were working for your own selfishness. For those of us who accepted Jesus Christ as Lord and our Savior, there's been a time when we say, we don't like that. We want to give our life to Jesus Christ. We recognize that he is the one that is, has given us life and life eternal. And so we've given our life to him if you've never done that. It's really hard to have a happy, healthy marriage. You're not even off of first base. So after the service, I'll be up here. A couple of our elders will be up here. Some of the prayer team will be up here as well. Hope you'll come and seek one of us out and say, hey, what does it mean to follow Christ? What does it mean to, I want a happy marriage. I want a healthy marriage. 
If you do that, I can't guarantee that your marriage will be healed, but I tell you what, your relationship with God, which is more important than your marriage, will be healed. So we're going to ask you to, um, to stand here in just a moment. We're going to read this. And guys, I'm going to ask you to read this. And, um, uh, and then we're going to have a word of prayer. And then when we're done with that, we're going to ask you to come forward to the communion tables. One of the things that we do here once a week is we honor Christ and his death, burial, and resurrection by remembering it through communion. So we'll ask you to come forward, grab a cup, grab a piece of bread, and uh, then return to your seats, and then I'll walk us through that. But I don't want to ever escape this idea that it really does begin by your personal relationship with Jesus Christ. And from their husbands, we can have a very loving, dynamic relationship. So will will you stand with me? Husbands, will you turn and look at your wife and uh, make this commitment and read this together if you can? Okay, let's begin. Guys only. Okay, as a husband, I commit to live with you in an understanding way, to honor you, and to help you grow to be the beautiful woman of God he designed you to be. Let's pray. Father, I thank you for the men here that made this commitment. I pray that you might empower them and remind them of your word throughout this next week, and that it will not just be a passing fancy, but it will be a lifelong habit where they honor their wife in real and practical ways. So, Father, help us to that end. And for the ladies here, I pray that you might help them to put on that godly spirit about them that is found in verses 1 through 6 here. Help them to be a a godly wife. Help, Help them to be the type of ladies that we find natural and easy to honor. So, Father, help us to that end. And help us, Father, for those who have never experienced Jesus Christ, that right now they'll recognize the importance of that and that they'd be willing to give their life to Jesus Christ. Help us to that end. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.